So if you've got your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. Go back two books to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 13. Well, again, if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. Go back two books uh, through the book of 2 Samuel, back to the 1 Samuel. And let's go to the 13th chapter. And let's mark those two places and turn over into the New Testament to begin our reading this morning. Found in the Gospel according to Luke chapter 9. So again, our scripture reading this morning uh, is going to begin with Luke chapter 9. Uh, and we'll read some more places in a little bit, but we'll get to 1 Kings chapter 17 and 1 Samuel chapter 13 here uh, in just a minute. And as we are turning to Luke chapter 9, I'm going to read you one verse. Just listen if you will. Skip on down to the 14th verse. For they were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, Make them sit down by fifties in a company. This morning, I want you to think about irons in a fire. That's, that's a saying that I think many people understand, irons in a fire. If I say irons in a fire, most of you think that means busy. Matter of fact, it's an old blacksmith phrase. If you ever went into a blacksmith and he had irons in a fire, one, if he put too many in a fire, then the, then the metal wouldn't get hot enough to be shaped. Or it also meant that if you went in and he had so many pieces, then he had his day laid out for him of all the jobs that he had to be done. I don't know what it is about our culture, but it's almost a badge of honor when we can say, busy. Matter of fact, we even come up with this uh, uh, artificial business where we're, we're busy when we're not busy or what do we have time for? Let me ask you something. How much, how busy are we in our lives? If you really want to listen to something interesting, listen to all the people that talk about how busy they are. If you really want to get your mind to, 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 to kind of moving around this morning, ask yourself, what does busy mean? Are you busy sitting here this morning? Yeah, you're busy sitting. The truth of the matter is, we always, and we can many times in our lives say, we're busy. But listen to what Jesus said. Make them sit down by fifties in a company. We all have a lot of irons in the fire, don't we? Folks, I pray that we would understand that we must make Time for Jesus. We're going to read in some other places in a minute that, that just because we got irons in the fire doesn't mean there's no room for Christ in our life. Is there no room? There was no room in the end for, for Joseph and Mary when, when Christ was about to be born and they had gone into Bethlehem for the census. There was no room. I almost in that same understanding and same concept, how much time do we have in our life? And what I mean by time is, I'm talking about mere minutes of a day. How much time do we have to sit down with Jesus? Christ tells his disciples, he said, make them sit down. Now if you combine Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they all kind of give this, this same account, it's amazing how that each one of them that Jesus wanted to ask Philip, he said, we're going to feed them or you're going to feed them. I'm going to provide what you need. So he gets to this place. He said, do you have enough to feed the people? There's probably estimated, I don't know, 10,000 people or even more. And he said, do you have enough to feed the people? Well, 
John chapter 6, I want to read you this verse right quick. And this he said to, to, to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Folks, Jesus knew what was needed to feed the multitude. He already had a plan. The purpose, the purpose was going to be to see who was going to follow the plan in order to experience the blessings from God. If you've got irons in the fire and you think your life is busy, God already has a plan. When a crisis hits your life, know this, God already has a plan, but are you going to make time for that plan? And we see that, that he knew exactly what was going on. And we see that Jesus knew that he said he's going to take these few fish. He's going to take these few loaves. He's going to bless it. He's going to multiply it. And he's going to feed the multitude. Of all the people that was going to need to be fed, that exactly what was going to happen there. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 6, you can see that in that particular account that Jesus looked up to heaven and he was able to provide those things that we stand in need of. But when you and I today come to a place and, and, and to a time in our life when we see that God wants to produce things for us, how many of us get to that place in that 14th verse and make them sit down by 50s in a company? Now, when Jesus was going to feed the multitudes, again, you can read about this particularly here in our scripture reading, Luke chapter 9, not only was Jesus going to produce what they was going to need, but you'll also see that his disciples were the ones that got to distribute it. You see, you and I, we come together every Sunday or sometimes in our life, we get to be distributors of what God has in store for other people. But aren't you glad today to know that the creator and the originator of the one that provides our needs is an almighty God. God has a plan for you. God wants to feed you. But are you going to be still and make them, he said, sit down by 50s in a company. Sometimes our lives get busy. Sometimes we have all these things and these irons in the fire and this, this status that we want to attain by we're busy, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy. Folks, I pray that we are never too busy for God. That we are never too busy. Matter of fact, the psalmist tells us in Psalm 46 and verse 10, he said, be still. He said, be still and know that I am God. Do you know what the word be still or the, 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 the combination of words to be still, it means to relax or let this ring with you. Let drop. I wonder today how many things in our life do we need to drop so that we can make them sit down by 50s in a company. Folks, we're, we're, we're trying to cling to too many things and we're holding all these things and do we really have time for God? And our answer always is, or not always, frequently is, well, I've got too many irons in the fire or I have a lot of irons in the fire. Matter of fact, there's another saying that we burn a candle at both ends. You know what that means? You wake up early and you stay up late because we're busy, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy. But Jesus is teaching a very important lesson. Slow down and realize that the most important thing is what I can provide for you. Folks, the world has a lot they want to give you, but there is nothing that the world can give you that compares to what Christ can give you. Christ has something that He wants to give and He gives this idea that they need to, to, to gather in His presence and make them sit down by 50s in a company. Psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. 
Be still and know that I am God. You know what? When we loosen the things of the world and we let go of things of the world and we finally get to a place that we begin to, to cling more to the things of God, then folks, we start understanding what our purpose and what our reason in life is all about. I know we're busy. I don't want to cast a judgment on people. And I'm not here to, to try to offend people. I'm not here to, uh, to, to try to tell people they're wrong. What I am saying is, folks, if we're not careful, we will live in such a busy society that we will put God secondary and all the things of the world become more important. Folks, there is nothing more important than your relationship with Jesus. You're not going to be too busy. There's, there's not things that, that, that have become more important. These are the things that are important. Let's go back and read in this 14th verse. There were about 5,000 men. So this miracle that he's about to perform, he said to his disciples, these people have been standing. He said, now I want them to go sit down. He said, and I want them to be fed by me. What I would love for every single human being to experience right now when you're tired and you're, you're tired of standing, just go and sit down. And not only just sit down, sit down with Jesus. Folks, I love to sit down and talk to people. Matter of fact, I love to hear people that's had interesting lives and people that, that have war stories and stories of what they've done in life and the things that they've accomplished, the people they've been around, the places they've gone. But none of those stories compare to sitting down with Jesus. Jesus tells very thing there he says make them sit down I don't know how you translate that but I look at that as a commandment not as an, uh, something that they give to be an option or maybe something that is recommended folks he is telling them to sit down to make them to sit down give them that commandment that they must go and sit down and spend time with the Lord folks is there anybody here besides myself, and I'll go ahead and confess this to you, that sometimes in our busyness of our life or the irons that we have in the fire, that we, we, we struggle with finding time or that we find that it's a struggle to make time, but the reality is even though we find it a struggle, we are still instructed, make time is what he says, to make them sit down. When we sit down, what do we want to do? When you sit down, we, we want to preoccupy ourselves with something else or we want to have thoughts or we want to work on all these other things. Jesus said, make them sit down. Think about what he tells us in the 23rd Psalm. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. We don't like to hear that authoritative phrase, but sometimes God is telling us, you need to control. You need to make time. You need to do these things. Mark 6 and 31 says, Come ye yourselves apart, he said, and rest a while. The Lord told his disciples, he said, make, talking about the people, he said, make them sit down. Because they have something, he has something, he wants to provide for them. Folks, do you believe God has something special just for you? Do you believe that God wants to feed you and give you these things? But sometimes we're busy. And that's why Jesus said, make them sit down. If Christ would have said, go walk on the water, you and I could have probably looked at that scripture and said, 
That's not something you're easily going to be able to do. Was it attainable? Yes. Peter did that one time. But what he's saying is, we're going to do something pretty simple in your life. He said, just sit down. Isn't it amazing? It's so simple that Jesus has to remind us of the obvious things. Just sit down. The obvious thing this morning would be this, and you all are going to agree with me, we must make time for God. How sad it is, but true it is, that we have to be reminded we must make time for God. Preacher, I'm here every Sunday, but I ask you this, how much time do we make for God the rest of the week? How much time do we make for God all the days of our life? For Jesus said, make them sit down. A very simple request that he had, he said, just make them sit down. We want to do something supernatural or spectacular. But you know what? Sometimes we've got to start with the ordinary things before we start doing these miraculous things of feeding of the multitude. We have to simply just sit down. And I cannot read that verse over and over to you again enough to understand. Jesus said, make them sit down by fifties in a company. Now a lot of times we can look at that verse saying, Jesus said, we've got to sit down and, and look at what he's about to do. But notice what he said, put them in fifties. You know what I can see in that verse? I can see that Jesus is saying that if you will stop and you will sit down, organization is going to happen in your life. Folks, let me tell you this. If you sit down with Jesus, your life will not be chaos. I will say that one more time. If you will take time to sit down with Jesus, your life will not be chaos. Sometimes I feel like that we're living in a chaotic world. Does anybody else feel like that? Matter of fact, if you don't, just, just drive in traffic sometime or see how rushed people are and how urgent it is to get from here to there. We're, we're in a rush. We're in a hurry. Why? We've got so much to do and little time to do it. We, we live in such a society that's driven over and over and over again. And he said, you know what? Forget the chaos in your life. Get organization. He said, by organization, he said, make them sit down in these organized groups, and by fifties in a company. Folks, God is not the altar of confusion, and I believe in that. People are living in the chaos and the disorganization of their life, and the reason is is because we're in a hurry. We're trying to accomplish more. Isn't it amazing how technology was supposed to free us up, but it ties us now more? Isn't it amazing how that we were supposed to be living in an era? Here we go, we turn the calendar every year thinking this is the time that we're going to have more time on our hand, but yet we're busy. We're busy. And Jesus comes along and says, make them sit down. Make them sit down fifties in a company. He said, you need to get some organization in your life. He said, some organization in your life to where you let Christ have His reign. How much time do we have for Jesus? Let's turn back to the book. If you saved the scripture there in the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. Elijah, for three years, is going to be told by God. He said, you need to go down to this brook, this water source. Let's just read the scripture right quick. 1 Kings 17 and verse 3. Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith. 
that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went down and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. But read the seventh verse. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Let's pause for just a minute. I want you to imagine this about Elijah. Elijah had been driven from moving, moving, moving to a time to sit down. As a matter of fact, he was told to go to this place that had a water source. <clears throat> Excuse me. Seventh verse, notice what happened. And the water source began to get dry. Do you know what most of us would do? Now, the, the phrase means that it was next to nothing. There was not even much of a source there. So you and I would look at that water source thinking... God, you told me to wait here and be patient and sit still. But the water brook's drying up, so I'm going to use my carnal understanding and I'm going to go somewhere else where there's water. That is not what Elijah did. What you'll notice what Elijah's going to do is he's going to wait and he's going to be patient and sit still with God. So at Cherith, we see that Elijah was forced into a time of, of sitting idle. He, he couldn't do anymore. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he sat there for just a moment and notice that in this place he was being taught patience because the brook dried up, meaning no more resource, because there had been no rain in the land. So do you know what God said do? He waited on the command of God and the word of the Lord came unto him saying. Now, God brought him to a place. The ravens, by the way, the ravens were unclean birds. He couldn't, he could not feast on the ravens. He could only feast on what they brought. It's kind of the way I look at preachers today. Folks, we're not worried about the messenger. It's about what they bring is what's going to feed us. The word of God is what we feast on. And here for three years, before he, matter of fact, you know what's going to happen in the 18th chapter here? There's this contest about Baal worshippers on Mount Carmel that he's going to prove God to be true. But in all of this, he had to patiently wait on God. And you know what I love about Elijah is he would not move until God told him to move. So again, let me read you the 8th verse. The word of the Lord came unto him saying, to stay put... Watch that water source get smaller and smaller and smaller. But you know what the faith that Elijah began to have was? He had faith in God. Today, is your faith stronger than what you see? That's a question you have to ask yourself. Is your faith stronger than what you see? If the water book is drying up, sure the birds are still bringing me the, the food that I need, but if the water book is drying up, God, maybe I misunderstood you. Maybe you've made a mistake, God. I need to go somewhere else. But he waited until the word of the Lord. One of the worst mistakes, and I will say worse, the worst thing that we can ever do in life is to take matters in our own hands. 
Folks, when it comes to your spiritual life, you cannot take matters in your own hands and get ahead of God. I'm going to head and fast forward it, but you know what we're going to read about in the book of 1 Samuel? It's about one that took matters and would not wait on God. What's it going to be like for you and for me today if, if we cannot just stop and, and get to a place and make them sit down in 50s? What happens when we get to a place that we cannot stop and be still? Elisha, notice what happened here. It said over and over again that these provisions were going to be provided for him. And God said, I'm going to give you what you need. The brook's drying up. He said, that's fine. He said, I want you to rise and go into Zarephath. Do you know what Zarephath means? This is where I think it gets good. Zarephath, when you actually look it up, it means a refinery. A refinery means where you fuse or melt together. Folks, today I want you to know that there's something we need to melt together with. And that's the Word of God. I want to say that again. I want you to process what I just said. If there's something you need to be fused to, if there's something you need to melt to, you need to fuse at the words and the commands and the promises of God. We hold so many things prestigious we can't be separated from. And I don't have to tell you that. You just think about all the things in the world that people cannot be separated from. They may say, this pocket watch I've had has been in my family for three generations. There is nothing going to separate me from it. That's just an example. Things that will not be separated, folks. Is the Word of God something that can be separated from you? Sure, preacher, that's what I say. I don't believe anything is going to separate me. But today, the world has so many things when we become busy. That we have all of these things in our life and all of these things begin to attach to us. And we see that, that all of a sudden we're not melting to God. We're not fusing to God and to the promises of God and the Word of God. We are clinging to so many other things. And the real question is, what do they amount to you in the very end? He says, I want you to go to... Zarephath, he says, which belongeth to Zidon. He said, and dwell there. He said, now, you're, you're, now your audience is going to go from one being yourself to an audience of two. He said, now you're going to get a hold of the widow woman and her son. That's not a whole lot for a person that's been waiting all this time saying, God, why? Why are you testing me, Elijah did? But you know what happened is, is that Elijah did exactly what God told him to do. Matter of fact, I love it. Skip over to the 18th chapter, the 10th verse. Let me read you this. When Elijah was where he was supposed to be, and Ahab was, was looking for him, notice what happened in the 10th verse. As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whether my Lord hath not sent to thee. And when they had said, he is not there. They couldn't find him. Do you know why they could not find him? He was where God wanted him to be. Folks, today if evil or the world comes looking for you, are they going to find you? They're not going to find you if you're where God wants you to be. They're going to find you where they want you to be. It's almost more of a, 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 a troubling thought inside of us to think God are we not where we should be? And you come looking for us saying, well, you're not there. You're hiding from me. Or are we hiding in the world? Today, notice what happened with Elijah was. He hid. Ahab came looking for him. He said, we can't find him. Do you know why he couldn't find him? He was with God. Folks, if you're with God, the world's not going to bother you. 
Now, there's temptations and there's things that happen. I don't want to imply that. What I am saying is, is that it's important that we be where God wants us to be. And it's about us accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish. Well, let's turn back to the book of 1 Samuel for just a minute. We see here in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 13, And notice what happens in the 8th verse. Samuel had gone to, to Saul. By the way, the people of Israel wanted a king. So Saul was going to be chosen as the first king. But let's listen to what happened in this uh, 1 Samuel 10th chapter. We're going to read the 13th chapter in a minute. But I want to read you the 10th chapter for just a second, 8th verse. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal. And behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings. Saul was not given the authority to offer a sacrifice. So Samuel said, I will come and offer sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. So Saul's going to get a lot of irons in the fire. He's going to get a little impatient. So instead of making them sit down and by 50s and making people sit with God, he's going to get a little impatient. For let's go to the 13th chapter I told you about. 13th chapter and 8th verse. According to the set time that Samuel had, appo had uh, appointed. Let's look at the 13th verse. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. So Saul and his army... They were waiting on God. They were waiting on God to come through Samuel, offer a sacrifice, and then they were going to go to battle. So you know what Saul did? After seven days, not the end of seven days, at the beginning of the seventh day, he got impatient. So you know what he did? Let's, let's read here in our, our uh, scripture for just a minute. Ninth verse, 1 Samuel 13 and 9. And Saul said, this is where his impatience came in. He didn't have time to wait anymore. So he said, bring me hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. Folks, Saul was not ignorant of the commands that he had been given. He just became despiteful and impatient what he did. People become so impatient. We got so many things to do. We got so much happening that, that he would not do these things. He tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gogol. So he got impatient and said, and Saul said, bring me hither burnt offering to me. You know what's really sad in this whole account? Samuel told Saul, go wait seven days. Saul gets impatient. He offers an offering for himself. And you know whose fault it was? Saul's, right? He blamed Samuel. He said, Samuel, this is your fault. If you had been on time, then I wouldn't have done this. And we would have made a mistake. Isn't it amazing how that when we become impatient, that the problem is not ours, it's somebody else's. Folks, impatience rests solely on ourselves. It's all about us. It's not about somebody else's fault or somebody else's reason. See, Saul would not wait the entire days. The 13th chapter and the 11th verse said this, Thou camest not within the days appointed. What happened when Saul wouldn't wait on Samuel? Well, 
himself. He lost the kingdom. Matter of fact, it's because of this incident that David was going to be appointed as king. David made the appropriate sacrifices at the appropriate time. But we see here that Saul, his problem was he would not wait on God to send Samuel at the appointed time. So it, it, it cost him that. So what happened to Saul is he lost faith in Samuel and his word. Folks, if there's one thing I can tell you, do not get impatient with God and lose faith in the word of God. For the words of God, they are faithful and they will be fulfilled in due time. They are faithful today, but don't get too many irons in the fire. For unbelief and insecurity, it's always in a hurry. Always in a hurry. I, I feel like sometimes with church, it's like we got to rush in, we got to rush out, we got things to do. And God, I, I don't, I, I've got too many irons in the fire. I can't read your word. I can't study your word. I, I don't have time to pray, folks. May we always have time for God. May we always have time that we can, as Jesus said, make them sit down by fifties in a company. Isaiah said, The day that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with their wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk. Uh, and he talks about how they're not going to faint. The 13th chapter of 1 Samuel says, Bring a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. Here's where it gets a little scary. Here's where it gets a little disturbing. Saul was told by Samuel to wait seven days. Almost. Isn't it amazing how close he was to fulfilling and believing completely in the word of God? But it cost him the kingdom. To be partially or to be just a small bit not believing in the words of God that means completely not to believe in the words of God. What I mean by that is you're either all or none. You either you have full faith in God or you don't have faith in God. But let's notice what he tells him. He says, a burnt offering to me and peace offerings, and he offered the burnt offering. Saul gets more concerned, instead of waiting on, on Samuel, or ultimately waiting on God, you know what he does? He gets concerned about the rituals and, and, the, and the things that he can do. He's worried about the outward circumstances. Folks, people get so impatient. I remember you can read in the history of many revivals where People got impatient waiting on God to save souls. So uh, there was this idea that, that, that we're going to change, not change, but we're going to make salvation something simpler. We're going to reduce it down. But you know what today, folks? May we be patient and wait on God and not rush God. And notice what he says in the 10th verse. He says, and as soon as he did, notice what happened. And behold, Samuel came. Isn't it amazing how that just the moment that you do something you're not supposed to do, what happens? The one that told you to wait didn't do. So you know what he's saying? So Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. Saul was told to wait by Samuel. He got tired of waiting on Samuel so he did something he doesn't want to do. But instead of running and hiding, you know what he did? He just goes right on out to Samuel just like it's no big deal. You know, isn't it interesting that we're not the first generation to ever experience people that are not ashamed of sin? We feel like that we're the first generation. Nobody in the history of man has ever been around a group of people that sin and there's no shame in their sin. Folks, that's been around for a long time. That is the cunning devices of Satan. That people will sin and there is no shame for 
says that Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. I don't think that's something that we are missing out on today. I believe it's exactly true that people are still not ashamed of what's happening. But I want to read to you back to Luke chapter 9. And I'm going to close in just a second. But Jesus began to feed the multitudes. Thirteenth verse, I want to back up to it now. But he said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said, We have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy meat for all his people. people. For they were about five thousand men. And Jesus said unto them, Make them sit down by fifties in a company. Did you read the 15th verse yet? How am I going to make people sit down? And they did so and made them all sit down. Folks, when people took time for the Lord, notice the 16th verse. Then he took the loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven and blessed them and break and gave the disciples to set before the multitude and they did eat and were all filled and there was taken up of fragments uh, that remained them to twelve baskets. Isn't it amazing how they had enough to feed and then each one of the disciples had something to take with them. Isn't it amazing today that when we stop, we slow down, we maintain for God that He will feed us. He fed Elijah. That's exactly what the ravens brought him every day for that time period before he went up onto the mount, before he raised the widow's son. For all those things happened, he had to experience a drying up of the brook. Patience is not what Saul had when he was waiting on Samuel. He said, let's get the rituals over with. We're not worried about God's word. We're going to do this our way. People get impatient with God. Sarah, when it come time to bring forth the child, she wouldn't wait. So they come up with this plan that the handmaid Hagar was going to have a child with her husband. We see that people get impatient with God. Folks, God's not going to bless those things. He blesses us when we stop, we slow down. We just wait patiently on God and spend time with Him. This morning, I pray that each one of us would make time to sit down and to be in His company. I want us to get a song this morning. That's that's 